Hi, I'm hey, Danny. Ben, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Went running? Uh, just walked. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it's Benjamin. Yeah, you okay. can call me Ben if, it, oh, if okay. it's easier for you. <laughs> yeah, this is Usually, Benjamin yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah, well, Benjamin's fine. Okay. Okay. fine. Okay. I'm very American. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cross Pass, the brand new UTMB World Series podcast. Each month, two trail runners, one elite and one amateur, will meet and discuss what trail running means to them. In their conversation, they'll also reveal what drives them in life and how they express it on the hills. They will share their common passions, interests, beliefs, and get to know each other along the way. And so will we. In this seventh episode, Danny Morino, the American runner who switched tracks for trails around the world, meets Benjamin Raffor, a former ski jumper who found a new connection to the mountains through running. Just before the 2023 Dacia UTMB Mont Blanc week, they spoke about how sport has changed their life for better and worse, how they changed their mindset around it, and of course, about how running is faster than walking. We hope you'll enjoy this privileged moment where they cross paths. So Danny, nice to meet you, first of all. Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. You're from Mammoth Lakes in California. You graduated from Santa Barbara University where you started running competitively. But too much training, too much pressure for performance uh, you put on yourself. So after graduation, you went on a journey to rediscover yourself by traveling and being an outdoor guide. In 2017, you started local races for fun at first, and results being there, you got sponsored. You started training and running around the world. It's been a couple of years now that you perform at the highest levels, with many victories, many podiums, and you will take part in a few days at the OCC, a race where you finished third last year. I should introduce you now, so the listeners know who you are too. Benjamin, uh, you're 29. You were born in Le Contemé. Uh, apologies on the pronunciation. You're a child of the mountains. Before you could walk, you started alpine skiing and around 13 started ski jumping. You competed in World Championship Juniors and Young Olympics up until you were 18. In parallel, you studied marketing. Then you went working for a couple of years in the Dolomites and came back in 2021 to work for a mountain sportswear brand as a product manager, which we'll definitely get into. You enjoy trail running as it is a more demanding way to hike. Yes, it is. <laughs> you see it as a different kind of competition than the one you know. This one is with yourself. Did I miss something at this stage? No, I think it's pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the mountains here, really close to Chamonix. So I kind of know the place and uh, yeah, I think the, all this UTMB thing is quite important to me just not to participate in but just to be part of the event and, and follow it and be able to, to talk to people <laughs> like you as well because you are like the animator of it. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, talking about mountains, you spent a lot of time in the mountains all over the world. Do you see many differences between the US ones and the European ones? Do you see one fitting you more than the other? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I grew up in the city. I grew up in Los Angeles, which is one of the biggest cities in the entire world. So when I was younger, everything was a mountain to me because yeah, I right. lived in such a black place. There's these things called riverbeds. It occasionally rains in Los Angeles, which it doesn't really. The rain goes through them. And so that little tiny little way canal pretty much is what it is, used to be my mountains. So everything kind of blended to me as I was growing up. But now being, you know, in the place that I am, hard work got me here, but also I'm very gracious for it. Yeah, the mountains are different, but I honestly think what really differentiates them is the different communities. 
for me, the European racing is really what I identify as for the mountains because I don't live here year-round like you do. So that to me is like the soul of the mountains. Whereas when I'm home, I'm kind of more just like by myself in the backcountry. So I would say they both have a special place in my heart. So then you see it more like your place being restful or just to enjoy mountains by yourself. And as soon as you go in Europe, then it's about racing. Yeah, right? but I, I love them both. I've always uh, loved competition. And so that has a special place in my heart. And yeah, when I'm home, it's kind of more of the majority of the journey, I would say. Yeah, okay. Back to the past, back to the roots. What were your interests when you were young? So going back to growing up in a city where I grew up, it wasn't necessarily safe for kids to be out and about all the time. We'd sneak away on our bikes and everything, but mostly it was imagination. I wasn't really out in nature. Like my backyard was my nature and my playground. And so I'm one of five kids. At that time, there was only four of us. And so it was a lot of just like making up carnivals and talent shows and stuff like that. And then we would play soccer a lot. That was like my big sport. And then we'd go to the mountains like during the summer, during break from school and stuff like that. And that was always my favorite. But to me, that was always very momentarily. But from what I understand, that's quite different from you. You grew up very close to Chamonix. So how was that for you growing up? It's, of course, uh, when you grew up in villages in the mountains. I think for 90-95% of young people, you start enjoying the, the mountain right away, especially in winter. I think I started skiing when I was two or three. So it's been a big part of my, of my childhood. And then quickly you enter the ski club, so you're part of a team. During summertime, it's, it's about training, but of course you're like five, six years old, so training doesn't really mean something. It's more about having fun with your friends. But as soon as I started, for example, ski jumping when I was 12 or 13, everything became a bit more, let's say, not professional, you know, more concrete. And it was not only about having fun. And I think I did not enjoy the mountains as much as I do now because it felt like it was really my training place. It was not about, okay, I'm going to go in the mountains. I'm going to go skiing for fun. It was always about, okay, I need to practice. I need to train. I need to get better. Maybe I was too young to really be that involved into aspiring to become a professional athlete. But yeah, what sure is that now? I really see the chance that I have and I feel really lucky and grateful about this. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty easy when you're a child. It's like, oh, this is just where I am. This is where my parents are. We went like on a lot of road trips to really cool places. It was kind of just like something we did. And when I was younger, I would just pretend to read the stuff, you know, like at museums yeah. and everything. And then now when I'm older, I'm like, darn, that was a really cool place. I wish I actually <laughs> had taken the moment to read and learn about everything I was doing. But that's just part of growing up. That's super fascinating that like I've never thought of, for example, you know, one day I'd like a family and I've thought of how I was brought up and, you know, through my travels with running and everything, I've learned how other people have been brought up like yourself. And if you have a child and they are doing pursuing outdoor sports, I've never thought of that. That suddenly became like your soccer field, well, like right. what a soccer field was to me. That's super fascinating. When did you notice that in yourself? I feel like that's a pretty self-aware thing to have as a child. I found it when I really felt that I was not really enjoying it as much as, for me, it was not fun anymore. It was more like I have to go and, and train or I have a competition next week. I'm not, I'm not fussed. I didn't really feel so happy about what I was doing and, and about all my everyday life. 
as soon as it gets harder and harder to go training and you feel I have to practice tomorrow, I don't really want to, I don't feel really good and then that's when I really realized that it was not really what I wanted to do. I was also performing worse than what I was younger. Then I, I really realized at a certain point when I, well it took me years but when I was I don't know 18, 19 when I decided to quit then I really felt the difference and when I stopped like from one day to the other so you're surrounded by a team, by a coach, by physios and from one day to the other then you're, you're on your own and you have to, to figure out okay now what, what am I going to do and I think that's when I stopped that I really realized that I had many other opportunities and many other things to do. Yeah that's super fascinating again that's really incredible you were learning that 13 to 18 yeah, yeah. i feel like most people don't learn that in their entire life i felt like i had a similar moment post-college you know i fell in love with running at a very young age as odd as that is to say and where i lived there really weren't there were some people that ran but it also wasn't very common that children liked running there was a lot of focus on soccer and football when i just wanted to run it was kind of like, well, that's good training for soccer though. I was like, no, I just like to run. I just want to do this. I don't want to play with the ball anymore and stuff like that. And I loved it for so long. And I was really lucky enough to have a high school coach that was, I think, incredible for teaching kids of that age to love the sport and not so much to think of it as training, even though we were. And then in college, it just, the, the mentorship was a little bit different. It was promoted that if you're not all in, you're never going to be great. And me, naturally being a high achiever, I was like, okay, then we're all in. That's what it takes to be the best or whatever that looks like. In America, it's like a very strong fascination on being an all-American. If you're an all-American, you're gonna go pro is the kind of the timeline. So yeah, I just put too much into running. I felt like I was kind of losing myself and more so like my values, as weird as that is to say. I felt like I could see it happening, but I was like, but this is what it takes. This is what it takes. Like that was always the justification until finally I felt so far from who I was brought up to be that I kind of just like cracked. And I cracked before I graduated, but I still had scholarships. So I just kept going through the motions, but felt really emotionally disconnected, which I think caused like a disdain for the sport. I don't know if that ever happened to you. I was kind of like, I just don't like running at all now. I don't ever want to do it again. And then that's when I kind of went on like my little journey. <laughs> yeah. And about this journey, then what did you learn? Did you rediscover yourself or did you discover new parts of you? I think it was a little bit of both. I, similar to you, just tried a bunch of new stuff. I bought a motorcycle. I started spearfishing. I started climbing. I started doing all these other things that mostly were tied to adrenaline, which I know you enjoy as well. I felt like I almost needed to go so opposite of who I was in a way too because I, I do like plans. I like there to be some sort of structure in my life and I had no structure at all. And uh, at that time I wasn't really sleeping a lot too, which is a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I needed that. I needed to like kind of test the waters a little bit. And then before I knew it, I was like, oh, I just was missing balance. It's not that I didn't like who I was. I just needed to kind of restructure it and almost like fall back in love with who I originally was. Would you say that you went out of your comfort zone and that helped you? Yes, I felt a little dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it makes it's, it makes totally sense. You were talking just before about your coach during college, right? Do you feel that 
there is there is one person around sports i mean in general that really helped you and you felt that you were really enjoying it also thanks to that person yeah that's a kind of a hard question honestly it was everyone that i was meeting in these other sports because at that okay. time i was still an outdoor guide and i noticed how much fun everyone was having and they all liked to push the envelope as well Ultimately, I learned I also like to push the envelope, but I like to push it in the way of racing. That to me is my line that I love pushing all the time. It doesn't necessarily need to be standing on the edge of a cliff like that feels like standing on the edge of a cliff to me. And that's cool too. Mm -hmm. Seeing that in other people got me re-sparked. And also, <laughs> I kind of convinced myself running wasn't cool. I was like, running's for squares. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do what these other people are doing. Again, once I like fell back in love with myself, I was like, no, running's cool too. Like anything that anyone is passionate about, if they try really hard, that to me is really cool. So yeah, speaking of that, to me, something that's kind of interesting with you going through this moment of competing for the French national team at such a young age in ski jumping, right? Of all things, like those, that's one of those events I will never try personally, <laughs> but I think it is so cool. Every winter Olympics, I watch it. And from my very basic American understanding <laughs> is you basically like go downhill on this slope and try and get as much speed as you can. Yes. And then you shoot yourself into the air and try and get as far as you can. Exactly, yeah. And so while you were going through this moment of self-discovery, did you have any kind of like, in gymnastics it's called the twisties, where you okay. kind of freak out a little bit mm -hmm. and you kind of lose that edge. At a certain point, it felt that I was not enjoying that moment and I, was not, I had not that feeling anymore because I was also performing worse. And, and when you do not perform, then sensations that you have and, and that feeling of really flying and, and having that adrenaline moment doesn't really exist anymore. So that's when I really realized that I had a decision to make, like go all in and really try to make it. And on the other hand, it was okay, then maybe you have something else to do and you feel that it's not your thing anymore. You really had a good time. Uh, you discovered many things, but maybe you have something else to do now. That's really basically when I was 18 that I, I really took that decision of quitting. Yeah, definitely. no, definitely, especially at such a young age, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like whenever you put on your nation's jersey, it's always a special moment. It is, and, and maybe it's also something that we tend to forget, that we are representing our country. And, you know, sometimes I felt like I was maybe too selfish and just not realizing how lucky I was to be here and to be able to represent France. And I was just like, okay, I'm not performing and, and I was disappointed, but I forgot that in the end, this fail or, or yeah, this fail, like I learned a lot through this. I think I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, but you do now. Yeah, yeah, I do now and I, I'm, I'm grateful and, and I'm really proud as well of, of what I achieved at my level, of course. Like it helped me a lot also to grow up and I realized how important it was to feel more as an adult person right now. And I think it helps me every day as well. But maybe probably as, as you do and, and you feel how, how many things you learn through sports uh, that helps you in your everyday life, like personal life as well. Yeah, I would say I learned a lot about myself with running and then through the burnout and rebuilding myself. It was almost like tenfold within like three to five years. And then ever since then, I feel like through running that I can apply that other life experience. I just keep learning more and more, but I almost feel that I was stunted for a bit 
kind of stuck in the same routine. Honestly, just mostly listening to what other people wanted and what they were telling me how I should pursue my passion. And I realized that I personally like to have a lot of my own authority. That's not to say I have a coach and I've been working with him now for close to six years and I could not have been where I am without him. But he also lets me make mistakes times too, which I think is really important. So when did you find trail running? I'm very curious. I think it's also when I, when I stopped ski jumping because I had much more time for me. And that's when I started really enjoying mountains in a different way. Being raised in Lake Contemine because now I live in Annecy. Being able to just open your door, five minutes walking, and then you start hiking to go in the mountains. I think it's, it's something that you, you have to live if you live in, in the mountains that you have to do. So I started pushing myself and say, okay, there are many, many, many areas that I don't know around my place. So I'd like to discover them. So I started hiking, first of all, going with my friends or my family and enjoying the mountains that way. And then at a certain point, I felt that I was also missing a little bit this feeling of putting the beep on and, okay, let's do the competition. I, I was really f missing that competition feeling. So I started to just also go in the mountains with not performance in mind, but just trying to go as fast as I can. At the beginning was really hard, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it still is, obviously. But yeah, I was just trying to push myself and to see how fast I can go and how far I can go. Then afterwards I thought, okay, well now I feel okay. Maybe I should try to race. I just did a couple and I don't really need to race. I just feel that I like to go in the mountains on my own and just go as fast as I can. And yeah, being able to race from time to time is, is fun as well. And that's where I find this feeling of competition that I kind of missed. About you, so obviously you had capabilities that brought you where you are because you, you're really good at it. When did you really discover it? Thanks. Um, <laughs> I feel like That's I'm still obvious. learning. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard to say. I'm starting to see why they put us together because <laughs> it was very similar when I found trail running and mountain okay. running because yeah. growing up I didn't know there was such thing. When I first started doing it, I didn't realize that I was doing it. I thought it was just running. <laughs> but I was an outdoor guide and similarly I had mornings off and then I'd go take people out on the ocean in the evenings and afternoons. But I started by hiking. I was like, you know what, I think I can get much further if I start running. So then I started running further and further and kind of testing myself. It's on like a chain of islands on the coast of California. One day I'm going to run across the island, which I eventually got to. But yeah, it's hard to say. I also, in my bitter perspective towards running. The moment when I was like, I don't like running. It doesn't like me. We don't belong together. And then I started going through this self-build process. I was like, maybe, maybe I should race, you know, just see, see what happens. And I found a local race that was kind of close to me. And I went in like a very small 10K, maybe like 30 people. And I kind of just like was running in the back. And then this group of men started going off in the front. I was like, just stay here, Danny but it was really bothering me. <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna try and see if I could stay with them. So then I started running with them and then we went up a uphill and 
they all started hiking. I was like, I'm gonna win this race. And I tried running up it. And then sure enough on the downhill, they all passed me. I was going, what the heck? How are hikers beating me right now? Just not understanding the concept at all. But I eventually did win the race in a sprint, like full out sprint to the finish. And I won a mug <laughs> that I still have. It's a coffee mug. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, whoa, I could win stuff now. And that was really fun. And I was running in road shoes. I didn't even know there was trail running shoes at that point. Um, and so then, you know, a couple months later, I signed up to a race that me and my friends were just going to San Francisco. And I was like, oh, there's a race happening the morning that we're there. I'll just take a, a taxi to the start, run it and see if I could win. Cause there was some money. And at that time I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, and I was like, okay, if I pay $80 for the entry and I win at least fifth place, like boom, 500 bucks or however much it was. And I ended up winning the whole thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just won so much money, but that was a lot of fun. And the next week I got sponsored. And so it was kind of interesting because I got locked into the sport really quick when I was still figuring it out and everything. And truthfully, I was probably still a little immature when I, I got sponsored. I didn't understand the weight of it, but that kind of gave me some resources where I can just go and start doing this in really cool places, which I think that gave me kind of a unique path for the sport. I feel like I kind of like cheated the journey in a little bit because I already started to see really cool places. And that's initially what drew me to the sport anyways, was being able to see more kind of like yourself. Yeah. So would you say that this is that first race that you mentioned when you won the mug that really made you discover trail running? Not directly, but you kind of figured it out? Or was it just like it took time and then you, you got into it race after race after race? Yeah, I think it was because one, I didn't have anyone telling me how to do it. Two, I kind of got to, we had some pretty good mountains where I was living then. I wasn't in Los Angeles anymore, I was in Santa Barbara. I was like, I could get injured and no one can say anything. And so I just started throwing myself down these mountains on the downhills and everything. And I honestly think the downhills is what made me fall in love with the sport and want to get better at it because it just felt such a unique aspect of this new sport or new perspective on running. I assume because you're, you know, jumping through the air on two sticks, basically. Did, do you like the downhills? Yeah, I don't really like it because I have some knee pain oh. uh, and then I feel like I enjoy it, but I cannot really do it the way I want. Yeah. So every time I go down, I'm like, yeah, that's fun. I love it. And after like 5K, I'm like, no, I'm done. I have to stop. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I enjoy it. I like it, but I cannot really do it the way I want. That's challenging. And, and that's why when I when I go trail running, I usually set up my pace and be sure that I don't do stupid things on the downhill or that I just be careful. What do you like the most then in trail running? Would you say that it's downhill or globally about trail running? Is there like a specific aspect of it that you really say, that's why I do it? It has changed over the years. I would say initially it was growing. I'm still, we're always growing, but I think I was still growing a lot that I felt that I had to catch up from college maybe. Again, I feel that having such a singular focus that was told to me kind of stunted my maybe like emotional growth in college. And so when I first started doing the sport, it was almost like refinding my individuality. And so I think that's why I really liked the downhill. And that's what I was all about. Like, I'm just gonna try and beat every Strava record <laughs> that I could find, <laughs> even if it was kind of dangerous at times. Now it's kind of 
mm, what would you call, evolved into, I just love meeting people. The friends that I've made globally, who I talk to on a regular basis, it makes me feel so connected. I think when I was younger, I felt kind of like alone, that I liked the sport. And so to grow up and see that expression of life that I don't just like, but like so many people around the world love, and that it's in a way like a universal language, like there's someone I can not speak the same language, but if we push each other to the finish line, we're suddenly crying and kissing each other on the forehead and <laughs> have an appreciation for each other in, in such a different way. That's why I keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. at least right now. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how the community aspect of it like means a lot to you. Yeah. There's pros and cons about Strava, but mm -hmm. I love it when people message me and they're like, oh, your run inspired me. And superficially, I'm like, oh, that was just a mundane run. I was just going out for a run. But the fact that that like 30 minutes up a mountain inspired somebody continues to put into perspective that the sport is very difficult for everybody. Any expression of running, but I think mountain and trail running because you're very exposed to the outdoors. So yeah, I think it's it's cool. It's like it's a language within itself. I think all these trail running community and you progressing and being that uh, successful in sport brought you to very important races, just like uh, the OCC where you finished third last year. How did you perceive first of all that performance? What did it represent to you? Yeah, it definitely was. A manifestation I feel like over a couple years because I got into the sport and there really wasn't anybody teaching me which races to go to what to do etc I went on Google a couple of times and I just googled trail running and just sky running kept coming up for Europe and I was like I guess that's what they do in Europe they're just constantly sky running we have nothing like that here in the States but as the years I continued to be in the sport and honestly I think a lot of it had to do social media was also just expediting each year getting more and building upon itself and so finally on Instagram I started to see more trail running and then that's how I learned about pretty much Chamonix and UTMB and I think the first time I saw it was Tim Tollefson coming over here. He's an American that's gotten podium twice in UTMB third, I think. And so I was like, oh, what's this big deal over there in Europe? And then going into 2020, I was like, maybe I'll try and go do the marathon du Mont Blanc. And then obviously COVID. And so I was like, you know what? I really, I'm just gonna go for that next year. But then when 2021 came around, those races still kind of were unsure, etc. And so I ended up still doing some other races. So coming into last year, I was like, finally, I'm gonna go to Chamonix. I'm gonna see what this is all about, be there in the magic. So I did Mont Blanc Marathon first and I got third. Talk about one of those moments you'll remember for the rest of your life. I was coming into the town by the church in third. And I was like, yeah, I got it. I pulled away on the last descent. I feel so strong. And out of nowhere, Ani Sam, uh, Sabre, she's on uh, Cetus Matrix, comes out of nowhere with like a K to go. And I was like, what is going on? And then we had a whole sprint finish and I ended up beating her. But you know, one of those where I feel like we're bonded for life. So I was like, all right, first Shamini go is pretty magical. And then going into OCC, I actually lost someone really close to me and it really was a hard time. And the first race back, I could tell that I still wasn't fully healed. And it was only a couple weeks before OCC. And so I had a moment to really think about the race and 
how I wanted it to be like how should I go into the race like I felt like I had just failed obviously we're really hard on ourselves I didn't fail fail but I fell short of my expectations so I just decided you know what regardless of the result I want this to be a celebration of life for this person because they deserve that they don't deserve me being sad so yeah Coming in third, I got into third on the last climb, and it was one of those moments where I already was so in blackout mode, like I was d destroyed. But I was like, I just got, I have to hold on to this. Fake it till you make it. Make her not see that you're so tired. Uh, passed her with a pretty strong move, and then it was just about holding on. So it meant a lot. It, it by far is like my favorite achievement. You know, being on the podium of such big races is really nice. But for me, I know everything that led into it too. And it just felt I came out my best self. Yeah. What about you? Have you, have you raced any of the UTMB races before? Like well, of the finals week? Well, I, I was supposed to race the MCC last year. You know, the MCC is, yeah. is um, that race that for, for locals. So I was supposed to race it last year, but I had really a hard knee pain. So I, was, I, wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable taking the start, but I'm going to do it on Monday. So this will be my, my first, uh, I think it's, it's my first 40K. And otherwise I competed in, in different races, which were more like 26, 28K. I've not doing so much distance because of course trail running is not my sport and I do it in a way that I feel comfortable. So far I, I really didn't feel that I was strong enough and comfortable enough to do longer. So I just stick to these 26, 28, but I thought, you know, the UTMB week, like I told you at the beginning is, is also really important to me. And it's a very nice event that I, I really like. And I thought, okay, I might be able to compete in one of the races. Then of course, if I have the opportunity, I'll do it. So I'm going to race on Monday. So we'll see. That's amazing. Yeah. Is it something that you kind of like grew up hearing about? Yeah. And also because the UTMB goes through Les Contamines. I remember with my parents and my brother, uh, just going on every Friday evening of the UTMB, going in the village and just cheering, cheering the guys. It's been a moment that I remember every year, no matter the weather or the time, and we were there just cheering for the guys. So that's a particular race. That is so cool. I honestly, I'll, I'll have a couple kind of meta moments when I see kids out there. I'm like, I wonder what they think of all this. Yeah. It's like these adults running with backpacks with snacks, just like through the woods yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, from the outside, but I'm, I don't know if I can speak for most of people, but usually when I used to look at the runners and I just thought, these guys are beasts. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so yeah. impressive to see people running for tens of kilometers without stopping by night, no matter how cold is it or no matter how, how much raining it is, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I almost like you, I don't know anyone personally that has done UTMB, but when I saw the start last year, since that was my first time, it's almost like you by default think of someone. So I was like, oh, that person kind of reminds me of my dad. What if my dad yeah. was out here? <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, absolutely. That person looks like my grandpa or grandma. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that's way more impressive. Trail running is of course a very important part of your life. It takes probably most of your time, but what particular activity or hobby do you like doing or relaxes you when you have free time? When I'm not trail running, I really enjoy just hanging out with my friends. We do like a lot of dinners together and stuff like that. Where I live, you can go fishing 
and so that's a big activity that I do. I'm jealous my husband gets to do it way more than I do, and he has many stories all the time. But you can do, you know, like rod fishing, fly fishing, and I actually have like this little breakdown rod that I can put into my hydration or backpack that's and go awesome. run. Yeah. Nice. And so I would say that's probably my other favorite activity to do right now. It kind of depends on the season. When it makes sense, I'll, I'll go snowboard and stuff like that as well. But yeah, to me, I, I just get so much energy from my friends. What about you? My main activity is work, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> so when I have time, I like being outside with my friends, just hanging out. I live in Annecy, which is a lovely place, so I can enjoy the lake. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. So I enjoy going to the lake for a swim, having dinners, uh, going to the bar as well a lot. Uh, maybe too much sometimes. <laughs> uh, otherwise, yeah, just doing different activities. I play golf. I used to play golf much more when I was younger, but now I do, I do play um, when I have time. I like photography a lot as well, so I always bring my camera everywhere I go. It's always in, in my backpack. Uh, when I do trail running, which is also a bit uh, the two opposite worlds, because on one side you have to go fast when you do trail running, and on the other side you have to take your time to take nice pictures. <laughs> so I always try to find a good balance, and it happens often that I take my camera in my hydration um, bag and I just I try to go fast in, on the way up. And then when I arrive at the top of a summit or pass, then I just stop. I take my camera, take 10 minutes to take nice pictures, and then I go downhill. So yeah, I think photography is a very good way for me to escape a little bit and to feel that I'm just, I'm not thinking about anything else than just trying to find the right angle to take the picture that I like. And it's a very, very nice moment to, to just uh, relax, not think about work or problems or whatever. Uh, just being in the moment and trying to capture that specific moment with the with the camera. That's incredible. Yeah, your Instagram is very aesthetically pleasing to the Thank eye. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that kind of ties in with golf too. You have to be really patient in yeah. the moment as yeah. well. Yeah, golf golf is also a very, very interesting sport and especially mentally because you have of course, the technical aspect and the technical side of it is really, really important. But being out there and trying to be focused for probably five hours, it's such a, a quick movement and you have to be so precise, so you need to be really focused and being able to focus for five hours like this. People would probably laugh at me, but golf is tiring in a way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not especially physically, but mentally. So it's really nice as well because you're always in very nice places. You can just have a quiet moment for five hours on your own or with your friends and just being focused on the golf moment and, and nothing else. That I can see that translating to ultra running too. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah right. Just being focused for yeah, that Yeah, being long. focused and on your own and in the middle of usually very, very nice places. Yeah, well, you definitely seem open-minded, you know, going from ski jumping and then golf and photography. So that's cool that you're open to trying all those things. You know, many times people might just be in one edge of that map, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like discovering new stuff. I see also how important it is to have these relaxing moments when you just disconnect. That's really interesting as well to see how important it is to find the, the balance between that really adrenaline sporty moment and this moment when you just disconnect totally of the rest of your life and just live the moment.
What would you be if you were not an athlete? Do you have Do you have an idea? Do I have the ability to be amazing at anything? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. You can be whatever you like. If I okay, if I'm just you know world class at whatever, then I think I'd be a composer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. For like movies and stuff, like make soundtracks or yeah. I just think, oh, to to me like soundtracks and movies and scores, they just evoke so much emotion when paired with a photo, picture, moving picture. To like do that for somebody else, I think would be really cool. Yeah. What about yourself? Uh, um, I think uh, like you've had the possibility to be whatever. Like I'd like to be an astronaut. Sounds like it, oh, that's sounds, that, sick. sounds yeah. that really childish. <laughs> no, like like a, a childhood dream. But I'm so curious about being able to go to the moon or into space. And and uh, you know there is this French uh, astronaut guy called Thomas Pesquet who is quite, quite famous and he's always posting pictures of the Earth from space. And I find it so interesting and so nice. And I, I'm, I'm just wondering how, how it is to be up there and see the Earth from so far away. Yeah, I'd love to. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe one day as well. Who knows? In, in sports, um, it's really important, but in, in, in personal, like in everyday life as well. How important is food for you? And do you feel that you you're a food lover, if I may say, or how important it is to you? It's very important, obviously, like feeling for performance. And yeah, I mean, like good food is really important to me. I just recently quit a seven year career in tech. So I would say, you know, of those seven years when I was in office, it was just always on the go. So to me, it was just, you know, just get it in there. Now I have a little bit more time to kind of enjoy it. Um, but honestly, my husband cooks a lot for me and he loves crafting meals and stuff like that. So I live through him and yeah. let him feed me. <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask if you're yeah. a cooker, if you like cooking or not. I do. I do. But I think I've, I've just always been on the go. Instead of making something beautiful, I'm like, just throw it in a smoothie. Anything can be a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> just put it in the blender. Yeah. What about yourself? I'm a bit like you on the, uh, my girlfriend, she's a really good cook yeah. <laughs> and she, she, she kind of likes it, she enjoys it. So it's like, uh, who's preparing uh, dinner tonight? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Well, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If you like it, just go for it. So yeah, I, I do like food. I don't especially like cooking. I mean, I like cooking for my friends, you know, when, when I invite them for dinner or something, but just cooking for myself, it's like, yeah. I do it because I have to eat, but not because I like it. That's so so funny. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. it I feels totally that it. it's, it's really need. So I do it, Yeah. but I really don't like it. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sweet tooth. Uh-huh. So sometimes like for dinner, I'm like, I don't want, I don't feel like cooking. So I'm just going to eat, eat like, ice cream chocolate or, or ice cream or whatever. So yeah, definitely not a cook. Well, this has been great. Now that we know each other, I think it's time to play a little game. So we have one true fact and two false. I'll go first. So you have to try and guess which one is true. All right. All right. You ready for this? Number one, I practiced hula dancing for seven years. Hula dancing, if you don't know, it's originated in the Hawaiian Islands as a way to honor chiefs or leaders with many hand motions used to represent the words in a song or a chant. I had the chance in 2019 to dance in a show for Independence Day in front of the Hawaiian Senator. Number two, I really don't like sleeping. My ideal night would last a maximum of five to six hours. The point is to, you know, just get going. Like I said, I'm really efficient. 
Number three, so this is the last one. I don't know if you've heard about the famous Olive Law. It's in one of my favorite shows called How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if you've heard this. In this show, there's a couple who likes olives and the other one doesn't. So the rule is in when you're with somebody, one person can like him and one of them does not. Uh, for a long time, I was the one who didn't. And not until recently did I actually start liking olives. I would say number two, dancing, because I see that you're dancing a lot in your Instagram stories. On your <laughs> Instagram, you're always dancing and having fun. So I would say dancing. Dancing? Yeah. Oh, nice. That was a very good guess. So that one's actually false. Oh. Only because of the last part though. So I did take dance for seven years. And I did take hula dancing because my grandma is from Hawaii. Oh, um, awesome. And so she was very stern that I, I didn't learn any other type of dance except hula dancing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, I wouldn't have a guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the true one is the olive one. Yeah, sorry. I, I disdained olives for a while. Well, th that's funny how you can just... I know. I think I just finally had a good one. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> you need a good one to just, to just enjoy it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right, then my turn. So the first one, just like I said, I have a sweet tooth. So I always pack some candies or chocolate as a treat when I'm out. So one time I swallowed one badly and it got stuck behind my vocal cords. <laughs> so I had no problem breathing at all, but I just couldn't speak properly for the rest of the day until it melted down. <laughs> okay. Second one, one time ski jumping, I got distracted. You know, when I prepare at the top, I got distracted and I, I missed one step of my routine. So I went down the, the jumping hill. When I took off, actually one of my ski was not properly attached. So I took off and I just lost the ski right away. So I didn't fly really far. I just, I crashed badly without hurting myself, thankfully. And then the third one is that I love to run uh, on the Mont Blanc tracks, obviously. But one time I wasn't careful enough and I went too close to a, to a big vulture uh, called Gipaet. It's like a famous vulture that we have here in the Alps. Okay. And so the, the, I, I went too close to, to the nesting ground and uh, it started to fly really aggressively around me, close to me. Uh -huh. um, so it got me back quickly on the right path. What? Wait, so it hit you? No, it didn't. Oh, okay. It was just flying around, but oh, really okay. close. And usually when you have a vulture that close, it's not, it's not a good sign. Oh, okay. Hmm. Just like a prey, let's say. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And the first one was the chocolate one. Hmm. I'm going to go with the third one being true. No. Number no. two? Yeah, it's number two. Yeah, you Actually, crashed? Yeah, I crashed. Dang. Well, I, I did crash a couple of times yeah. in my career, obviously, but that one is, is one I, I can remember. <laughs> uh, during practice, I just didn't attach my ski properly. How old were you? I don't remember, probably 15, 16 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, every time you crash in ski jumping, it's usually rare. Like, it doesn't really happen often, but when it does, it, usually it's bad. You can really hurt yourself, but thankfully this time I didn't. I just like, I took off the ski ones away. With one ski, it's like, it's like being a bird with one. Yeah. Uh, just like one, uh, one wing. Yeah, nice. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not that proud of it, but you know, I had to find a, a true one. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was, uh, it was funny to tell. <laughs> now I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions from the UTMB community. Hit me with them. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one is from Charlie who is asking, what is the most difficult training session for you? Wow, that's really good. Honestly, longer tempos have always been a little bit more difficult for me, especially if it's something where it's not at once. So 
like four by 15 minutes. Okay. Always have trouble with those. Yeah. yeah In the you. mountains. Yeah. 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 And any long road session is a little rough for me. Okay. The second one is from Hilda. What did you change in your preparation for this year's OCC compared to last year? That's a loaded question, Hilda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely increased my mileage. We're always like very self-critical of ourselves and I did a very deep dive on my race splits last year and I came to the conclusion that I think I actually performed outside of my fitness. Like it just was one of those really good days. And so I think with the fitness I had last year, it was actually quite good. So this year I was like, I just need to get overall stronger because the whole last, I would say hour and a half last year was really tough for me, which makes sense. It was my longest race. So yeah, increased mileage just a little bit, like 5%, but held that longer. Uh, so instead of eight weeks, 15 weeks. So this will bring you more control probably during the race? I hope so. Yeah. I hope that as we get into the last hour, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the last question is from Sullivan. What is the typical day during a training camp with your team? Oh man, that's super fun. Uh, we wake up and usually it depends on the person, but normally we'll have breakfast together. We'll hang out, make fun of each other, banter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're really nice to each other. And then uh, we'll just go for our various runs. So we'll talk to each other about our different sessions and stuff like that. Some of us will go to the weights. And then, yeah, it's mostly just hanging out and bonding. I think what really solidifies a team in sport is having a relationship outside of sport. So you feel really deeply connected to the people. It's not just start to finish, it's everything outside of that. But yeah, I think what might surprise a lot of people though about Terex is like nearly none of us have the same coach. So I think that should be a testament that there's more than one way to become like an elite athlete. But with that, we all kind of still do similar stuff. So I think that's kind of funny. How often do you have um, camps like this? Training camps? Yeah. Um, twice a year. Okay. Uh, but the main one is in the beginning of the year. Okay. And then uh, we'll meet though multiple times throughout the year, but they're not always camp focused. A lot of time they're race focused. Yeah, nice. uh, but you can choose to do a, another training camp and just extend your time with like a couple of athletes. Nice. Yeah. What will be the next big milestone for you? Well, OCC next Thursday. I purposely changed my calendar up a little bit this year. You know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing and expecting the same result. Decided to roll the dice a little bit. I raced a lot less than I usually do, hoping I come in with more energy, but you just never know until the day of, I'm sure, as you know, see how the body is yeah, feeling and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm super excited about that. What yeah. about you? What's your next milestone? Well, MCC, first of all, on, on Monday, which is uh, quite a new thing for me. And then afterwards, I don't know, I'm planning uh, to go trekking in Nepal next year. Wow. Uh, end of next year. Yeah, Jealous. I was supposed to do it this year, but didn't didn't work out. We will probably do it next year with my girlfriend. Um, so yeah, I think that's the the biggest uh, thing coming in in the future. So yeah, we'll see. That's awesome. Do you have one thing you would like to achieve in the next 10 years? Oh man, you guys are getting really philosophical on me. Um. <laughs> well, you can say two things if you, if you have to. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I'd love to start a family. <laughs> I can't just you know, hitting that point more than once. I just love family and yeah. I think it's important. 
yeah, I got married this year and I would love to enjoy the marriage, just us two for a little bit. And then, yeah, I would love to do that. And it'd be nice to, you know, get a couple wins. I've kind of in the, in running, I am a bride now, or I was a bride, but always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And yeah. it'd be nice to, to get a big win. But if I never do, it's okay too. What about yourself? But I think I have to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, start the family. Well, because 10 years is long to start a family, to enjoy, enjoy life in a different way. But I still have many things to discover on my own. So we'll see. Nice. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure getting to talk with yeah, you, Yeah, thank you very much. I uh, wish you all the best for, for the OCC. Um, and yeah. Same with you, MCC. It's been very nice. Same. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed this moment and found some inspiration to get out on the trail paths. If you did, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with a friend, a colleague, or someone you just crossed paths with. If you don't want to miss the next episode, subscribe to the podcast and follow at UTMB World Series on social media. We will be back next month for a new extraordinary meetup. Stay tuned. Yeah, I think you're like the French man version of me. <laughs> yeah, it looks like. <laughs> it looks like. Awesome. Good job, guys, to find, yeah. uh, to find well, the match. Yeah. <laughs>